Blog Talk Radio. And good afternoon, Patriots. You're listening to Blog Talk Radio and that published article uh, just went up live and blogtalkradio.com was down this morning. I think it was down for quite a few hours. There were a lot of folks who were unable to get their podcast up, but we were up and running. This is the anniversary. We're going to reflect on three years of Article 5. We're going to start with uh, about 15 minutes almost of Mark Levin. July 10, 2013, he announced his book, The Liberty Amendments, so that would be three years ago tomorrow. Uh, As you're listening if you happen to be online and listening and just got the blast out that uh, I was putting my show up, uh, why don't you reflect yourself on when you were introduced to Article 5 and when you were introduced to the Convention of States. We'll have time to take phone calls if anyone happens to be listening. If not, uh, I will vamp. And this is Mark Levin from three years ago tomorrow on the Liberty Amendments. I want to start this program off a little differently today. Oh, there's a lot of issues going on out there, and that's the point. There's always a lot of issues going on out there, and we bounce around like ping-pong balls trying to keep track of them, constantly reacting, constantly on defense. Six months ago, it was the Second Amendment. Today, it's the Fourth Amendment. It's so-called immigration reform. It's the NSA. It's the Supreme Court ruling in this case or that case. It's the President of the United States directing his EPA to put out regulations. 75% or so of the news that we watch every day is about what? Government. Most of what talk radio talks about is what the government's doing to us. And it's getting worse. The government's getting bigger and bigger. It's out of control. And you've heard it endlessly. You don't know what to do about it. You're law-abiding citizens. You pay your taxes. You work hard. You vote on Election Day. Many of you belong to a political party that claims that it's going to do something about these things, and they get in office, and they don't. We rally. We send emails. We send letters. We make phone calls. Then in one decision, the Supreme Court wipes away an election in California. In one decision, the President of the United States changes our immigration laws. In one piece of legislation by a Congress now gone, they destroy our health care system. Folks, this is no longer a constitutional republic. The federal government is not the federal government that the framers of the Constitution established. It's simply not. And this massive fourth branch of government with two million people issuing thousands of laws every single year, which you're not even aware of, and yet which affect your lives, that's not even in the Constitution. And what can we do about this? So much attention, so much of our lives are focused on and dealing with the federal government, and it's only getting worse. We are becoming witnesses to our own demise as a free people. But they know what they're doing to our country. And folks, let me tell you a little secret. This is now at the point of where we have to choose. Do you want to live as free citizens or do you want to live as subjects? And where do we turn? What's the answer? Are there any solutions? Well, I'm going to give it my best shot. This country belongs to us. It does not belong to the governing masterminds and their fanatical disciples. And what we need to do, as I thought about this long and hard, is we need to, at least beginning with ourselves, start to think a little differently. 
and start to realize that we really do have power. We really do. So I've written a book. It's not even available for a month. I finished this book in April, and the title of the book is The Liberty Amendments, Restoring the American Republic. I undertook this project not because I believe the Constitution, as originally structured, is outdated and outmoded, requiring modernization through amendments, but because of the opposite, the necessity and urgency of restoring constitutional republicanism and preserving the civil society from the growing authoritarianism of a federal leviathan. This is not doomsaying or fear-mongering, but an acknowledgement of fact. The statists have been successful in their century-long march to disfigure and mangle the constitutional order and undo the social compact. To disclaim the statist campaign and aims is to imprudently ignore the inventions and schemes hatched and promoted openly by their philosophers and experts and academics and the coercive application of their designs on the public by a delusional governing elite. So what's the answer? Well, first of all, we can't ask the governing masterminds and their fanatical adherents in Washington, D.C. to reform the product of their own fatuity. That is, the continuing disassembly of the Constitution and society. That's what they want. That's what they're doing. It's purposeful. They're blinded to reason. They're blinded to experience and knowledge. It's not in their political DNA to reform themselves. They believe their ideology is invincible, so they're intransigent to effective reform. But it's not asking too much of we the people to rally to our own salvation. It's time to return to self-government, where we are the sovereign and not subjects. And we reclaim some control over our future rather than accept as inevitable what's being done to us. And unlike the radicalism of the governing masterminds who self-servingly oversee a century-old perpetual counter-revolution, we the people must have as our goal the reestablishment of our founding principles and the restoration of constitutional republicanism so we can nurture the individual and preserve our society. This requires first an acknowledgement of the federal government's unmooring from its constitutional foundation. Second, an acceptance that the condition is urgent and, if untreated, will ultimately be the death knell of the American Republic. Third, the wisdom to rebalance the government in a way that is without novelty and true to the framers' original purpose. And four, the courage to confront intellectually and politically the statists and neo-statists' stubborn grip on power because they will resist anything we say, anything we try and do. The book is The Liberty Amendments, Restoring the American Republic. This will be the book that the ruling class will hate the most. And that's good, because it's aimed exactly at them. I propose that we, the people, take a closer look at the Constitution itself for our preservation. The Constitution provides the means for restoring self-government and averting societal catastrophe, or in the case of societal collapse, resurrecting the civil society in Article 5. Article 5 sets forth the two processes for amending the Constitution, the second of which we're going to focus on. Article 5 says, in part, that Congress, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to this Constitution, or, this is what I want to emphasize, on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states, shall call a convention for proposing amendments, 
which in either case shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states or by conventions in three-fourths thereof, as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress. In neither case of amending the Constitution does Article 5, that process, provide for a constitutional convention. This isn't a constitutional convention. This is a convention for proposing amendments to the Constitution. In other words, Congress can propose amendments to the Constitution and has, in 27 cases, which have been ratified, and the states can too, through the convention process. The second method involving the direct application of two-thirds of the state legislatures for a convention for proposing amendments, not a constitutional convention, a convention for proposing amendments to the Constitution, which would thereafter require three-fourths of the states to ratify, has been tried in the past without success, and today it sits dormant. The fact is, that Article 5 expressly grants state legislatures significant authority to rebalance the constitutional structure for the purpose of restoring our founding principles should the federal government shed its limitations, abandon its original purpose, and grow too powerful. As many delegates in Philadelphia in 1787 at the Constitutional Convention feared which is exactly why they provided for two methods of amending the Constitution. On June 11, 1787, at the Constitutional Convention, George Mason of Virginia, one of the most underrated of the Founding Fathers and one of the greatest men in American history, he responded to some of the delegates who didn't see the necessity of having the states propose amendments. In Madison's notes at the Constitutional Convention, He writes about Mason's comments, Colonel Mason urged the necessity of such a provision. The plan now to be formed will certainly be defective. This is what Mason said. As the Confederation has been found on trial to be, meaning the Articles of Confederation. Amendments, therefore, will be necessary, and it will be better to provide for them in an easy, regular, and constitutional way than to trust to chance and violence. It would be improper Mason said, to require the consent of the national legislature because they may abuse their power and refuse to their consent on that very account. And then two days before the end of the Constitutional Convention on September 17th, that was the last day, two days before, on September 15th, Mason was back at it. Mason, alarmed that Congress would have the sole power to propose amendments, continued to insist on state authority to call for conventions. George Mason explained that an oppressive Congress would never agree to propose amendments curtailing its own tyranny. Back to Madison's notes, citing Mason. Colonel Mason thought the plan of amending the Constitution exceptional and dangerous, as the proposing of amendments is in both the modes to depend, and in the first, immediately, in the second, ultimately, on Congress. No amendments of the proper kind would ever be obtained by the people if the government should become oppressive, as he verily believed would be the case. Quote, unquote, Madison's Notes, September 15, 1787. Mr. Gouverneur Morris of Pennsylvania, Mr. Eldridge Jerry of Massachusetts, moved to amend the article so as to require a convention on application of two-thirds of the states. And there you have it. I was originally very skeptical 
of amending the Constitution by the state convention process. I, like many of you, was concerned it could turn into a runaway caucus. And as an ardent defender of the Constitution who reveres the brilliance of the framers, I assume this would play disastrously into, uh, disastrously into the hands of the, fra of the uh, statists. But today, I am a confident and enthusiastic advocate for the process. The text of Article 5 makes abundantly clear that there is a serious check in place. Whether the product of Congress or the state convention, a proposed amendment has no effect at all unless, quote, ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states or by the conventions in three-fourths thereof. This, ladies and gentlemen, should extinguish anxiety that the state convention process could hijack the Constitution. It is impossible. And after more research and reflection, the issue crystallized further for me. If the framers were alarmed that states calling for, quote, a convention for proposing amendments, unquote, could undo the entire undertaking of the Constitutional Convention, then why did they craft, adopt, and endorse the language? And it was strongly endorsed in the Federalist Papers by Madison and Hamilton. And here's the beauty of the process. Congress's role in the state application process is minimal and ministerial. And it couldn't be otherwise, because the framers and ratifiers adopted the state convention process for the purpose of establishing an alternative to the congressionally initiated amendment process. That was the point. Now you can see why the ruling class and their little mouthpieces and the blogosphere and columnists and so forth are going to hate yours truly, because this removes power from them. It gives it to the state delegates and state senators, who you will have an effect on one day. But I have no illusions about the political difficulty in rallying support for amending the Constitution by this process. All past efforts have fallen short, and the governing masterminds and their disciples are more powerful and strident than ever. There is no doubt that their resistance will be stubborn and their tactics desperate as they unleash the instrumentalities of the federal government and the outlets of a, of a uh, lapdog media to vanquish such a movement and subdue the public. But having rejected the Constitution's limits, whatever the reasons, there are also untold numbers of citizens like you who comprehend the perilousness of the times and circumstances and the urgency of drawing the nation's attention to restoration of constitutional republicanism. Our magnificent framers anticipated that this day might arrive because they knew that republics deteriorate at first from within. They provided you with a lawful and civil way to repair what has transpired. We, the people, through our state legislatures and the state legislatures acting collectively, have enormous power to constrain the federal government, reestablish self-government, and secure individual sovereignty. A plan is what is needed, as is a first step, and this is mine. What I'm saying is, at a minimum, we must inform ourselves about what the framers gave us. They gave us this. I said at the beginning of the program, what is our recourse to a Supreme Court decision? Well, guess what? We have one. What is our recourse to Obamacare? Well, guess what? We have one. What is our recourse to a massive bureaucracy that steals our private property, shuts down our businesses, and interferes with our workplace? Well, we have one, and we need to start talking about it.
All right. That was Mark Levin, July 10th, 2013, almost three years ago, three years ago tomorrow. That was highly edited from that episode. I highly recommend you download that podcast from 2010, July 10th. I'm sorry, July from 2013. July 10th, 2013. That was 14 minutes and 40 seconds editing of just about the first two hours of that episode as he went through, uh, laid the entire groundwork on why we would need to restore our Constitution and then the mechanism as he went into the second hour, the mechanism of Article 5. Um, very exciting that that was three years ago. And what I always like to say is, is Mark Levin it laid out in his book what needed to be done, but he didn't really lay out the groundwork of how that would be done. Well, in parallel, at the exact same time, the Convention of States movement was getting off the ground, and I happened to be at an event where, where Mike Ferris uh, talked a little bit about meeting with Mark Levin and how that melded together, and there's just a little less than two minutes of that. The audio is not great, but here's how that went. Mark and I live eight miles apart. Um, I don't know exactly where he lives, but I can get you within <laughs> half a mile. And, 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 and he's in a bunker, I know. And, uh, I see him at Home Depot and places like that. But, but um, um, we didn't really know each other face to face until this, until after he wrote his book. The website conventionofstates.com launched about seven days before his book was released, which obviously means I was working on the website before I knew anything about his book. And also means he was writing his book well before he knew anything about our idea, uh, because we learned about each other just before each of us launched. And we started talking to each other before, just before his book was launched and just before our website was, was launched. And, and so, um, in fact, we worded our application to take into account his the, the scope of, the, of his book. And so, uh, Levin and I now are close friends and are working side by side, but we both view it as a divine coincidence because I wanted somebody to write a book and promote the idea. He wanted somebody to build an organization to make it happen. And his book is far more effective than any book I could ever write. For, you know, number one seller in the New York Times list for a month, and then fell to number two for a month, and you know, and so on. I mean, he, he pushed the idea forward in about three years worth of work in the space of about two months. And so, uh, so we are, are, you know, we're working together, we're, we're able to get these things done, and together, all of us can get this, get this word passed out. All right, so that was Mike Ferris about a year later, a year after after Convention of States was launched in, in August of 2014, discussing getting together with, with Mark Levin and coordinating at the last moment, really, as both of them were, were coming out and uh, Mark with his book, uh, Mike Ferris and Mark Meckler with the Convention of States project, working together. And that was three years ago when, when Mark Levin announced his book and I remember the lead-up to that. It was after the 2012 election. There was uh, great discouragement among, uh, among Republicans and among conservatives especially as to what was happening in the nation. 
And Mark on his radio show would say, I, I've got something in the works. And Mark, of course, is always very guarded about his intellectual property, and he would not say a whole lot about what it was that was in the works. Uh, he, he would mention once in a while that the states would be involved. Governors wouldn't necessarily be involved. I think for people who were astute, which was not me, uh, would have perhaps started to figure out what he was talking about. That was really the founding of the modern uh, Article 5 movement when Mark Levin came out. That That has been the impetus for so many people getting interested in the first place like myself and hearing it, getting excited that that's a possibility, purchasing the book, reading through the book and, and realizing – that is a possibility, but it sounds really, really hard to do. How do you do that? You start Googling, and uh, depending on your understanding, your experience with uh, Mark Meckler or Mike Ferris, you may you may have been, okay, that sounds interesting, or you might have known who one or both of those men were and realized these are people who know how to get this done, and that's exactly what happened with me. I, I knew uh, quite a bit about Mike Ferris as, as a homeschooler for closing in on 30 years. And uh, understanding from the beginning of that movement and how uh, effective his planning on that was with the Homeschool Legal Defense Association and realizing this is the same thing. It's on an even bigger scale than that, but the same concept. You have to work with all 50 states uh, and hope to get this pushed through. So um, I know that the schedule today is way off. Um, I actually had to go run out uh, an errand today and – and, and spend time with uh, political party business, local party business today. It was our annual organizing meeting. Um, so I just got back from it, saw that Blog Talk Radio was back online. It truly was offline. I used sites to say ping it, and uh, everybody was complaining on Twitter that you know they couldn't get their shows up. Um, so I, I don't have any callers. It's not a surprise. Um, I do hope this is helpful, especially – the clip from Mark Levin, and I hope that, that uh, piques your interest enough to go out and download that episode, July 10th, 2013, so that's three years ago, and look where we've come. We have eight states that have passed our resolution. We are in motion in 30-plus states this year we were in motion. We have ground troops and, and organizations in place in 40 states with the Convention of States, and we expect 2017 to be a very, very big year. And there's a couple states still outstanding this year. Ohio will reconvene, I believe, um, not, not Virginia. I can't remember what the other state was. There's at least one other state which may reconvene and, and consider uh, they have a convention of states applications in motion in those states. <clears throat> so we could hit double digits before 2017, but we believe 2017 is going to be a huge year. Of course, here in Texas – we are very excited about uh, having the opportunity to revisit uh, a, a, a disappointment when we fell just a little bit short last session. Um, of course, with Governor Abbott on board, uh, we expect to have quite a bit of momentum going into the session in 2017. And, uh, of course, we have people who are looking to Texas to step out on this and to show the nation the way, and that's our plan here in Texas. So. I hope this has been helpful to you. I know this was uh, this was not as organized as I would have liked the episode to be, uh, and I really wanted this to be a call-in episode at this point and have some other people come in and, and reflect on what they've gone through in the last three years and perhaps what their journey is and, and the excitement that has generated for them. 
you know, this has been uh, – I look back, and there's no way I would have thought I would have been here three years from now uh, being a state director in the in the state of Texas. Um, three years ago, I was at a loss as to what would happen with our nation. Now, I, now I'm involved with something in which there's hope for our nation to restore our constitution, to restore the rule of law, uh, to really – to return liberty to we the people. That's really what we are focused on. It's a nonpartisan issue. It truly is. I know it's hard for some folks on, on either side, either sway to understand that. Um, this is really about the states regaining the control which they had uh, under the original intent and meaning of the Constitution. That's where it belongs, is at the states. And then we can have the fights at the states as to what what ideology we want to be following and, and what policies we want to put in place. But we have to get that control back to the states first before we can have meaningful uh, debate and discussion on those, and we can have the experimentation in each state, which the other states can evaluate. When it's pushed down from the national level to the local level, there is no room at that point for being able to compare with how one one area of the country is doing against another area and to be able to evaluate gee, that city, that state seems to be running poorly. Maybe we should avoid those things, or that city, that state is doing well. Maybe we should uh, emulate some of what, what they are doing. That's all I got now. Uh, vamping uh, here in, in uh, late afternoon on Saturday afternoon here in Texas. Um, this is the end of the first three years. We have a long ways to go. A lot of people ask, what's the timeline on this? The timeline is however long it takes. Um, and it, and just getting a state passed, you know, having the resolution passed is a step, leads to another step in which a convention is finally called, and that the convention is a whole other ball game in which you're going to have to uh, work with the delegations that are going there and, and understand what it is they will be discussing, debating, and perhaps proposing, and then comes the big fight for ratification, and that's that's where all the big guns will be out. In opposition, going to try and restrain and constrain a runaway federal government. Uh, you're going to have a lot of people who are not happy about having things taken away that they're used to having. All right, I'm going to end it there. Um, I don't have audio, uh, the normal audio I have, so I'll, I'll try and remember credits as I play uh, out from uh, Madison Rising. I do want to thank Madison Rising again for providing the music, uh, all the music article here. I uh, certainly want to thank Mark Levin and all the work he's done on this and the promotion he's given to us over the past three years, uh, bringing this into a very public light. Uh, and of course, great thanks to the Convention of States team, to Mike Ferris and to uh, Mark Meckler, uh, to our state team here in Texas, uh, to Cameron Colbert, and to Martin Harry, our legislative liaison, and to uh, Bill Ely, our grassroots coordinator, Tom Dowdy, our coalitions director, um, just fantastic people to work with, and uh, just an encouragement here, and I ask you to uh, thank you for listening, and tune in next week. Next week's episode may be very interesting because I plan on being on the road, and, and we may have some special guests, um, and we also may just drop out because we don't have a uh, phone connection, but we are... Uh, the Convention States team is traveling next week to Amarillo and then to Wichita Falls and 
Um, we'll see what happens. I, I think we're going to have an interesting time. Uh, hope to talk to you then. And thanks for listening. If you're listening live, and of course, if you're listening and recording, I, I apologize for kind of the haphazard nature of the episode, but I do hope it encourages you again that in just three years to look back where we've been and to uh, reinvigorate yourself as you heard Mark Levin. A lot of what he said then is still true now, just uh, even more so. So uh, we'll talk to you next week. Again, this Provident article, this is Paul Hudson. Appreciate the listen. And we'll see you next week.